0: Okay, so we have our first emergency podcast of the offseason. Scott Brooks is not going to come back as the Wizards coach. In case you missed it, the Wizards announced on Wednesday at around noon that they and Brooks were parting ways. Uh, Brooks' contract, if you listen to this podcast or follow the Wizards at all, surely you know that Brooks' contract uh, expires at the end of this NBA season. So this isn't a situation where he got fired, but his contract is not getting renewed and the Wizards are going to be in the market for a new coach. Uh, And, uh, you know, we've talked about Scott Brooks. I talked about him so much on the last episode I did with James Edwards and we talked about Brooks a bunch. Then I have talked about him a bunch on previous podcasts. I feel like we've got our 15, 20 minute Brooks segment for every episode. And, uh, you know, if you listen to the pod regularly, you know that myself and my guest for today, uh, we're, I mean, I think we said multiple times that if we were betting on things, we, neither of us reported that he was coming back, but I think we said, you know, if we, we were betting on things, our prediction is that we think it's more likely that he's coming back than not. And, uh, it turns out that was not correct. So Ben, Ben standing of the athletic, I blame you.
1: Well, first of all, uh, after the season ended, I wasn't sure if my podcast contract was going to be renewed. You haven't had me on for a few days, so uh, you know the fact that I'm back, I guess, is a good sign. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think my take, because I had to, I had to say this in various forms several times, and I think my basic take was one, I would make a change. Two, based on Ted Leone's history, and be factoring in the Westbrook part of this. I wasn't very confident that it would happen and, like you said, would lean towards um, him returning. But the one caveat I believe I said a few times was if they're really serious about this, they're actually thinking about it. It's not just delaying for the sake of delaying. Then the longer this goes, the worse it seems for Scott Brooks. Because at some point, like, why are you not just saying it's happening unless there's something weird? So um, I'm definitely... uh, i guess i would just say i'm you know not about the individuals involved you you know you feel bad for people and things like that but in terms of the organization i'm somewhat pleasantly surprised that they landed this way because i do think they needed to do something different
0: yeah i mean you know i thought things were trending in the brooks direction uh you know clearly it ended up going in another way and now they have an opportunity to I mean, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with this because there are two different directions the Wizards could could be in in a couple of years. And you know, the first thing they could do is they could just hire the guy Bradley Beal wants because they think that's what's best for the franchise because Bradley Beal is a free agent in a year. If you hire the guy that Bradley Beal wants, then maybe that gives you a better chance of keeping Bradley Beal, and that's the first thing they could do. But then. If the guy Bradley Beal wants is a guy who doesn't make sense for a rebuild, and then you have to either Beal leaves in free agency or you have to trade him in the middle of the year, now all of a sudden you have a coach leading you through a rebuild that either doesn't want to be there or it doesn't make sense for your organization. So, you know, I think there are, are there's kind of a wide spectrum they have to navigate here between somebody who is good to lead, an organization that's trying to win now with Russell Westbrook and with Bradley Beal, but also one who is going to be capable, competent, and willing to lead a rebuild. And those guys totally exist. I'm not saying that a coach like that doesn't exist, or even that a coach like that is extremely difficult to find. I mean, if you pluck any great assistant coach who ends up being a really good coach, I mean, I think any, any assistant coach, there are only 30 jobs. They're if they get a head coaching job, they're down to coach it. They're, they're good. So not saying that's impossible to find. It just makes the job. I think a really interesting one with the situation that, that uh, you know, Bill is in with the upcoming free agency after next year. So I am, I am, uh, I'm curious to see kind of what sort of candidates and it's a little bit too early for now, uh, to decide or, or to put out okay this is who they're looking at here this is who they want to interview here although i know mike singer of the denver post did report they were going to have incest in what in uh interest not incest my god interest in wes unsell jr
1: well that's, the w- wizards after dark is a whole new meaning now. this has
0: been a long day it's been a really <laughs> it's been a really long day they had interest in wes unsell jr um but yeah, I think it's I think it's too early to put out any sort of list. I don't know if they've really gotten that detailed in terms of their search. They they just kind of broke up with Scott Brooks today. Um, but when when the list of interviews starts to come out, and when we start to see what sorts of candidates they're they're interested in, I think it is. Uh, you know, that, that's going to be really, it's going to be really fascinating because they could go in a number of directions with this one, not in terms of how good the coach is, just in terms of the style of the coach, the background of the coach. Um, you know, there are a lot of different ways they could go. Like they could justify Mike D'Antoni because he's great for guards and they have Westbrook and Beal, or they could justify Kenny Atkinson because he kind of fits both lanes, or they could justify some young up and coming assistant because a lot of teams can and, there are just there are a lot of different ways they could go with this. And I'm really curious to see where they end up going once uh, we get some more information here.
1: Yeah, uh, for 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 sure. I mean, you know, as I said, I was pleasantly surprised that they ultimately landed on this decision. I mean, I imagine, you know, that Ted is part of the like. Look, when, when you listen to so Tommy Shepard spoke today, I don't know if you said that or not, but Tommy Shepard spoke today um, to to share some of his thoughts. And, um, you know, it's when you listen to these people in these positions tell you what they tell you. You are on the one hand, as a reporter, you're just supposed to kind of say, well, here's what we were told. But as an analyst, right, you're supposed to sort of try to read between the lines or how much do you believe or whatever. Um you know, so he Tommy Shepard said that he made the call ultimately on Scott Brooks, and I thought that in and of itself was interesting because you know we've talked about over these last few weeks. Like, even though I think we both have said that we we believe Tommy Shepard's done a pretty good job. You know, all, all things considered, for all the reasons we don't need to get into, but the the, the moves they've, he's made with this with the opportunities, the limited opportunities he had to improve. But that doesn't mean we were, it was like a, a, a lock convinced that he would be staying here, right? That that he would be moving forward. I mean, it seemed reasonable, but, you know, who knows? Um, that if he really made the call, I mean, by him making the call, I'm getting to a point here about the coach. But if he's making the call, what it means is you you think this is what I want to do. You present it to the owner and the owner says, fine, right? I mean, you don't do that. The owner is awareness. So, Let's just say that's the case and that's what happened. So now to the point of the coach, does that mean that Tommy Shepard's making the pick? And if it does, that, be, that's, to me, is also a part of what becomes interesting here. Because I, if you tell me Ted Leons is making the pick, I can probably narrow down the type of people we're looking at. The, I've talked about it before. The playoff money is important to him. It's, not, it's, it's the less about, well, how do we get to be number one and how do we get to be within the top eight? And it that could be very different there from a coach. Maybe you don't want as big of a risk with an unknown assistant, but maybe taking a little more, you know, somebody who's had who's already done this before is something more stable. Maybe that put makes you feel a little bit better about it, putting you in a position to be top eight if you get top five, top six, cool. Uh, but you know whatever. Versus if you take a, if you take an assistant, maybe you get Nick Nurse. Maybe you swing big and you get, you know, every coach who's who's been a coach at one point was never a coach. Right. So at some point, you know, everybody who was a great coach was not a was not a head coach prior to that moment, to, to a, a certain moment in time. And maybe they swing for that fence. Tommy Shepard's been around this game for a long time. You know, we can go through all the names. I guarantee right now if we both just rattled off the names of people. It would be the same names that get named. I mentioned all the time. I mean, you have more insight than, than I do about people around the league. But, you know, what I mean, like. Everybody names the obvious names until they don't, until there is somebody else that's unique and different. And I think that to me is what's potentially interesting here is who really is making this call? Is it going to be Ted Leontis? In which case, like I said, it could probably eliminate certain risks. Maybe there's some risks I could see him taking, but others maybe not. Or if it's Tommy Shepard, I think perhaps that opens the field to a wider range of people, perhaps just because he's been around the game. I mean, he might be willing to take a, a... a, a risk for the reason that I said, you know, if you go with the s- same old, same old, you know, um, who knows? The last three coaches that, that have been hired by this organization, all with Tommy Shepard here, have all been guys who had prior head coaching, uh, had prior head coaching experience. But Tommy Shepard's done a lot of things different than Ernie Grunfeld did, so uh, you know, maybe he wouldn't go down that path. And I think that to me is part of what's interesting about this.
0: How are you gonna view? Scott Brooks's 5 years as coach with the Wizards because so he starts off on a really strong note, right? That's the year where they start 6-12 and 12, and then they end up winning 49 games and they come a game away from the Eastern Conference Finals and John Wall makes All-NBA and everything is exciting and happy and wonderful with the Wizards because they just won more games than they have in any season since 1979 and things are great. And John Wall gets the super max and Bradley Beal just had a career year and this roster is up and coming and now they're going to be a contender in the East to come and we know what happens after that. They get the 8th seed, the final following year wall has a knee issue then wall has the bone spurs and he pops his achilles and things go really downhill and they lose 50 games then they have the year of development as Tommy Shepard often called it and they you know are, are purposefully not good and concentrate on development with the young guys and then there's this year with Westbrook and Beale where they go 34 and 38 and they make the playoffs for a third time in his five years as coach but it's 34 and 38 with a 17-32 and 32 start and, and a really hot finish during a ridiculously strange season, and they get waxed in the first round by the Sixers. Uh, how how do you view Brooks' overall term here?
1: Um, I was thinking about this earlier today. I mean, if you had told me that after Scott Brooks' first year, they win 49 games, they're one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals, that after his contract ended, he would have not just a worse winning percentage than Randy Whitman, but that the fan base would view Randy Whitman as, I think, the better coach here. I I wouldn't even have understood what happened. You would have had I, I, if you had told me that, or there would be a one in a century pandemic. I might be like, well, I I, I guess I'm gonna go for the pandemic because I don't see how it's conceivable that that could happen. Scott Brooks had already obviously had success at OKC and and Randy Whitman never, you know, sort of obvious never got full credit for what he did because he was always viewed as a interim stopgap journeyman coach, whatever. And it's from that. It's fairly stunning. I think I said this before on this podcast or maybe it was mine or maybe I was talking to my cat. I don't know. Uh, But like if I had wanted to keep Brooks, if I was the Wizards and I had to sell it, my sales job would have been this, that in the first year with wall and Beal, two all-star guards, more or less the wizards won 49 games. And in the last year with once Westbrook was healthy, the wizards, you know, won obviously whatever they won down the stretch 17 of the last 23, and they were 500 over the last 40 games, something like that. So that in the two years out of five in which Scott Brooks had essentially two all-star guards, the wizards won, right. But in between when injuries ravaged them, particularly John Wall and other things happen as well. But the John Wall injury, obviously the biggest catalyst to to the decline, you know, things didn't didn't go well. Now, obviously, we've heard everybody's heard my views on this before in terms of Scott Brooks and certain frustrations and I thought it needed to go. But, you know, there were a lot of things that worked against Scott Brooks. One thing that Tommy Shepard said today was he's like that first year was great. And then life happens, meaning the things that went wrong and all that is very It's very true, but on the other hand, even that first year when they won the 49 games, as the season progressed, the things that started to bother me were things like the rotation. I mean, you know, right now, as you and I are talking, the Utah Jazz are playing, and Boyan Bogdanovich is in that game, and there will be people who will, you know, for the end of time who care about this Wizards team will say, boy, how did they not resign Boyan Bogdanovich after that season? Why did they keep Otto Porter instead of whatever? And I want to punch those people in the face. Because, for a hundred reasons. But one of the things is when you go, tell me how many minutes Boyan Bogdanovich played in that Boston series, I believe it was like 18 minutes a game or something like that. Like he, like even then, even in the year in which things went well, the signs of why of the things that would lead to frustration were there. And, you know, the defense really struggled the last few years to what degree he had say over his assistant coaching staff. I guess maybe you have a, a, a better say than I do, but you know, I think there were questions there, so on and so on. So there were definitely things that worked against Scott Brooks. um, But at the same point, there were a lot of things that just as time went on, it was just like, yeah, this is not really working for me. And, you know, clearly it didn't work for the team. And I guess lastly, last thing I'll just say sort of to wrap up this year is that because they finished so strong, there was a feeling of positive momentum. But they were still in the – they got to the A-team, which was a remarkable achievement from where they were. But go back to what the expectation was at the beginning of the year. They were ultimately still below it, regardless of what else happened. So getting to the eighth seed wasn't like it wasn't like they were the projected like the, there there were projections higher than the eighth seed or at least around that when the season started. So because it finished strong, I think it felt maybe more positive than ultimately it was, and I guess ultimately the Wizards clearly felt the same way because they made the they didn't let the end of that year push change their view over everything that happened over the five years.
0: Right. I think that's all fair. I mean, something with the rotation stuff, I I, I think that was, that was stuff. There were people in the organization who definitely had frustrations with the rotations and that kind of stuff. I mean, that wasn't, uh, Exclusive to the Wizards fan base, and I know it was part of the Wizards fan base, but there were people in the organization who were, who are frustrated with that. No question. I mean, we've talked a number of times, and we use Troy Brown as the example, but it's not the only one. I mean, there were people in the organization who, who looked at the Ish Smith Westbrook lineups, for example, and were like, "Why is that happening?" Uh, you know, there's a stat that I have in my story. For tomorrow, and it's not a statistics-laden story, which by the way, you can go read it, read my story, and read David Aldridge's story over at The Athletic. And you can subscribe to The Athletic for $3.99 a month if you go to the Athletic.com/slash Wizards After Dark and you can sign up there three ninety nine $3.99 a month for a full subscription. Anyway, my story for tomorrow has a stat in there and I kind of mentioned, you know, one way to put in perspective just how the Wizards kind of used all of these ineffective lineups and pretty often was that, so the Wizards on the season got outscored by 1.6 points per 100 possessions. So let's say the average Wizards lineup, because it's true, the average Wizards lineup got outscored by 1.6 points per 100 possessions. We'll set that as Wizards average, okay? Okay anything that's worse than that is worse than wizard's average, everything that's better than that is better than wizard's average. Six of their seven most used lineups were worse than wizard's average. And eight of their 11 most used lineups were worse than wizard's average. So what does that mean? That means there are these lineups that the eye test is showing is not effective. And in, in a lot of the cases, and certainly the numbers are showing are not effective in a lot of the cases. And they continue to get gone back to by Brooks. Uh, he continues to use, you know, the lineups that the numbers are telling you are continuing to get outscored. Now, lots of their lineups got outscored because they were a net negative team, but they were getting outscored more than the Wizards' average, and that's really your problem. He was, they were going to so many of these inefficient lineups, and I think there were moments that hurt them throughout the year. Uh, I really do. So, so, and I know there were people in the organization who got frustrated with that. I think that was a that was a sticking point. I think the defense was a sticking point. I know it improved a lot in the second half of the year, and that was something they talked about a lot, where there were something like 10th in the league in defensive efficiency after February 1st, 11th in the league, something like that. And I know that was something they were very proud to bounce back from, but they were still 20th in the league in points allowed per possession this year. That's defensive efficiency, which is, you know, that's nothing to hang your hat on. That's nothing to be really excited about. You're still 20th, and, uh, you know, the year before that, they were 29th. And the year before that, they were 27th. So it's it's been a trend of of, of them going down. You know, I I think uh, there were, you know, there was always a chance there was going to be some changes on the assistant coaching staff. Uh, not not a full overhaul, but but some changes on the assistant coaching staff in in a world where Brooks was going to end up coming back. Uh, and you know, part of that was some of the struggles they saw on defense. Uh, so so I think. Um, you know, that was a big sticking point there too. We'll see maybe they, you know, a lot of the time, and I don't know who the wizards are going to bring in yet. Uh, but, but a lot of the time you see when an organization has gripes with a coach and every organization in the league who doesn't have Greg Popovich essentially has some sort of disagreement with what a coach is doing because no two people believe the exact same thing about everybody on a basketball team and how they should be used just doesn't happen. And a lot of times when a team moves on from a coach, fires a coach, whatever it is in that situation, they end up going for the exact opposite. So so I'm curious to see if they just go for this major defensive guy next, you know, or or this, uh, you know, Tommy Shepard said he really prioritizes a communicator. Uh, you know, even if they bring in some hotshot defensive coordinator to work with him or something like that, uh, I, I just... I wouldn't be surprised if that were the direction. And, uh, you know, that's not a sources thing. That's just that tends to be the trend in the NBA where you you go for the opposite of what you have before so often. And uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this goes. I really do think this is a genuinely really interesting job. Do you think this is a good job? There are six openings right now. So it's Wizards, Pelicans, Magic, Trailblazers. Pacers, Celtics. Where's the Wizards job rank? If we're going like best jobs, like I think the Celtics job is the best job. I think the Pelicans job is the second best job because you get Zion. Uh, you can tell me if you disagree. Where, where amongst, amongst Magic, Blazers, uh, Pacers, and who am I forgetting? Magic Blazers, Pacers. Oh, and Wizards. Which one's the best job there?
1: Well, hold on. I was actually taking notes and writing down, if you were to hire, uh if you were to get rid of me and bring in a new co-host, what would the opposite be? And I was thinking somebody who does their homework and is a dog lover. Um, right, I can so have their hold golden on. retriever
0: on every episode instead of their cat. Right. All
1: right. So hold on. Magic, Blazers, Pacers, Wizards, and what was the other one?
0: Magic, Blazers.
1: Pelicans.
0: Yeah, Pelicans and Celtics. But I I think it's fair. I mean, like, the Celtics job is a better job than the Wizards job.
1: So I would – yeah, I mean, I think the – I mean, and I don't have all the salary cap situation, but obviously Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown is is a pretty interesting situation. I guess the one thing that's interesting about Boston is to what degree does this reputation that they seem to have about whatever happened with Isaiah Thomas about – getting rid of players, which always seems sort of silly. Like every team is going to, every team was going to make that trade that they were offered with to get Kyrie 10 times out of 10. But in any event, um, yeah. Celtics, sure. gone, I mean, though, think, though.
0: So, you know, yeah, yeah, not know that, what kind of executive Brad Stevens is going
1: to be. Yeah, no, a hundred, a hundred percent. I mean, it feels like the Pelicans is pretty compelling just because of Zion and they still have a lot of uh, draft capital to play with, but obviously the Pelicans, you know, they're, some point you know what are you doing and they, they moved on from stan van after after one year um you know i love dame lillard as much as i love any player in the league but it kind of does feel like they may be somewhat limited even if they were to trade cj mccollum to what end and they're you know they're in the west the wizards or at least in the you know supposedly um easier conference although well, I don't even know what to make of the top of the East right now with what we saw tonight with Philly and um, mil- what we saw with Milwaukee. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so I hear here. My, my challenge for the Wizards is twofold. One, short term, their ceiling is only so high. Now, you can probably say that about 25 teams in the league. But um, although Atlanta now is one game away from the Eastern Conference final and 10 minutes ago, people were c- sort of putting the Wizards and the Hawks to sort of mirror, you know, the you know, very, you know teams in the sort of the same um, the same level. Um, so but you have that limitation. You also have the Westbrook thing. I really do wonder if a coach comes in like I do. I've said this before. I want a coach. Who, who, who caters to the personnel on the team rather than says, I have a system and I want to you know do this is what we're doing. But on the other hand, you do want to do some things a certain way. And I don't know if Westbrook is that guy. I think that could be a limitation. And then the other thing is, and this is sort of what happened to Flip Saunders, but what happened to Flip Saunders came out of nowhere when the whole locker guns in the locker room thing happened and they had to blow up the team and he it went from inheriting a team that was possibly going to contend for something to a team that was going to rebuild is – between the Beal thing and the fact that a Westbrook's contract is up in two years, I don't even. What do you even have? Like, could you get this job and within one or two years have a completely different view of what this team is? You like the thing you sort of said before. Like, you can go into this right now and think, all right, got two All Star level guards, some interesting young talent. We do a couple of right things in the playoffs. Who knows? And then in a year or two, if Beal wants out or this things run its course, you're like, oh well, I guess now we're starting over with Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdia and. The 15th pick in this draft, and now that's a whole other thing. So, um, I I do wonder if that's going to sort of limit your pool. Like, like I get that maybe like a, let's just use a guy like Mike D'Antoni. Let's say he he's in the mix for coaching jobs, which it seems like he might be. Clearly, that guy is all about winning a title, right? He's done everything else in this He's going to win a title. Is he coming here? I, I don't I don't know if it's his only option. I guess anything's possible, but I wouldn't think you would do that if that's your goal. On the flip side. If you're a hot assistant, you you're like you're the, you're the next person who's going to get hired somewhere, could make the same argument, why would you come come here? So I I mean I do think it's interesting, but I I don't I, I would say it, look, I I don't know. I guess I, I don't know, other than like the Pacers, I like the Magic I don't like, but the Magic it's you're starting from scratch. So you can at least sort of say, well, we're starting over, we know what we're dealing with. I don't know. I other than the Pacers, I'm not I, I kind of feel like the other teams are kind of in better spots than the Wizards if I'm a coach with some options.
0: I think it's a better job than the magic job. And I think it's a better job than the Pacers job.
1: Um Like I said, my only thing with the magic is you I mean, and I'm not talking about their ownership, but like you effectively are right, am I right? You're kind of starting from yeah, scratch. Yeah, for
0: sure. But but coaches want to win. Coaches don't want to start from scratch. You know, maybe a GM wants to start from scratch, build his own roster from the top, but but coaches want to win. Coaches want to have two all-star guards, you know? So I think it's better. Uh, you know, one thing that's going to be really interesting, and you've talked about this a lot, is like, how much does Westbrook come into the decision? Like, Westbrook really wanted Brooks back. Um
1: I wonder how many people, when you just said, "I talk about this a lot," thought you were about to make a Justin Robinson joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, how, Justin so Robinson.
1: Why out, wouldn't they shout have a coach? Gre- shout out to Greg. Uh, our bo- I got Greg on that. Um, yeah, Justin Robinson, coach. Yeah, like I said, I do think the Westbrook. I mean, like I said, I thought that was the one compelling reason to keep Brooks, not for reasons I think it was about really progressing forward, but it's like, okay, you have Westbrook; he's a bit of a volatile asset. Uh, you know, if you don't treat this right, it could things could go pretty south. And if things go south, I mean, you know, I, I shouldn't be talking to Westbrook. This is your thing, but like, you know, if things go south, then what hap- you know, does Beale get frustrated in some way? And I'm not saying Westbrook is a bad guy. I'm just saying he's gonna do what he's gonna do. Right. And well, it's
0: not it's not to me about like you know, with Brooks, it was about Westbrook wants Brooks. So if you want to keep Westbrook happy, one of the things you can do is you can keep Brooks, and that's gonna make Westbrook happy because those guys just genuinely, absolutely love each other. They are just like, they just have a lifelong bond. Those guys just absolutely love each other, Brooks and Westbrook. And so if you want to keep Westbrook happy, you get Brooks. But to me, it's I'm not talking about keeping Westbrook happy. I'm talking about the fact that Westbrook is not an easy player to coach. And Scott Brooks would throw me through a wall if he heard me say that. He thinks that's an outrageous statement and that he's the easiest to coach. And if you say to Brooks, Westbrook's not easy to coach, he will passionately, and I put an emphasis on passionately, passionately respond to you by telling you that he's an extremely easy player to coach because you can't coach effort. And if you have Russell Westbrook, you know you have a guy who is not just going to play hard in every game but he's going to work his ass off in every single way possible. And if you have that, then anybody who's going to work as hard as him is easy to coach. And you know what? I buy that sentiment. I definitely believe Brooks genuinely believes it because, I mean, everybody hears the way he talks about him, the way he treats him, the way he uh, you know respects the hell out of Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, he certainly 100% believes that. But to an outside onlooker and to, I think, some other coaches – I don't think Westbrook is the easiest coach to coach, and we're well, not talking about Westbrook being a bad teammate. What we're talking about is Westbrook being a a stubborn-minded player. Uh, to where you know on Westbrook, there there are all of these every Westbrook team. There's always a criticism a criticism of the coach. Why doesn't he care about ball movement? Why doesn't he care about ball movement? Well, a lot of these teams uh, there's a low there's a there's a common denominator. On a lot of these teams that Russell Westbrook is on and it's Russell Westbrook you know he 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 requires the ball a lot to play the style that he prefers to play you know there was a there was a oh, I forget who wrote it oh god I, I hate that I'm not going to credit the author what
1: was it was it good was what
0: was the story whatever
1: what yeah whatever somebody wrote it was
0: very good
1: oh then I wrote it <laughs>
0: it was not you it was it was very good no. it was Oh, i'm i'm upset about this In uh, an analytics writer i can't remember who wrote it and i'm upset that i'm not shouting them out uh, it was very good if if someone else happened to read the same thing i retweeted it. if someone else happened to read the same thing send it to me on social media so i can retweet it and give the writer credit uh but wrote wrote a great story about uh, the Bucks' offense, which has looked so stagnant throughout the playoffs and has basically looked like a shell of itself, not just from a scoring standpoint, but from an actual style standpoint, from a, from a way they're operating standpoint, they just don't look like the same. They're, they're dribbling up, they're taking a mid-range shot, and they're done. And it just doesn't look like the Bucks that we saw in the regular season. Someone wrote this great story about, notice the Bucks are making the fewest amount of passes per game of any playoff team since that stat started being tracked like seven or eight years ago. And if you go back and you look at the graphic and you look at all the teams that have the fewest amount of passes, of like the 10 teams that have the fewest amount of passes in a postseason, passes per game in a post-season, like almost every, the majority of them are Russell Westbrook teams. And that's that's what happens. I mean, there is there is a, like I said, a common denominator there. Of what happens on Westbrook teams. And, uh, you know, including this year's Wizards team was on there, by the way. can,
1: Can I go back to your point about that Brooks would throw you through a wall if you said that Westbrook wasn't easy to coach?
0: Yeah, he would.
1: So this is my issue with Scott Brooks. Because the... I think I coined the term the other day with here, or used the term the other day, that he's not a players coach. He is a star coach. And one of my big frustrations over these last few years has been he lets his top two players, either Wall Beal or or Beal Westbrook, more or less do what they want. Of course they're easy players if you're going to do that. That's the point. You need to, if you don't treat your star players the same, as hard as you would the rank and file. Like, I'm not talking about, like, getting away with like certain things like anybody in any job, you know, the top salesperson, the company's going to get certain <laughs> privileges that other people are not or whatever it's going to be. But like I- in a basketball setting, if you're letting them get away with things that you don't let everybody else kind of get away with, then eventually they all see that and that becomes a problem. You you have to actually coach the top players we you know go you talk about Greg Popovich he coached Tim Duncan Tim Duncan also allowed it so that's part of the issue with Westbrook but that's why Brooks of course he thinks Westbrook is easy he didn't try to do the things that other coaches may try to do with Westbrook whether it's like what you're talking about with you know uh, you know pass the ball more i mean like you know we took it like we took it for granted like not took it for granted but like one of the things we all kept saying was you know, Westbrook has been playing great. Westbrook's playing great. But then in the last minute, things are going to go wrong. He's going to take the bad shot or whatever. And guess what? That kept happening. But it happened so common. and We're so used to it happening that we just accept that it's going to happen. And, yes, that's going to happen essentially no matter who the coach is because Westbrook will do what Westbrook does. I don't mean always make a bad play. Obviously, he doesn't always make the bad play. But take those shots, do some things like, oh, boy, I don't know if that's the best choice right there. Because that's what he's going to do, and if you don't tell that player to not do it, you won't. Why would it be difficult to coach them? So the idea that he says it wouldn't be hard to coach him, of course not, (laughs) because you weren't doing it uh, to that degree. Um, Westbrook does so much on his own. It's not like you had to get say, hey Russ, show up in training camp in shape. Hey Russ, could you could you be on time uh, for practice? Hey Russ, can you take the extra, you know. 500 jumpers or whatever he's doing. He did all that stuff. And if you're using him as an example, then yes, he is great. But if you're talking about actually saying, hey, maybe we need to work on some things. If you don't do it, then yeah, I guess he's pretty easy to coach. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
0: That's fair. I I think he's, well, getting back to the original point, was that that is going to factor into how good of a job this is. That's also going to factor into what coach you go after too, right? Because Westbrook is, you know, unless they can swing some sort of trade that we can't conceive of right now, At the very least, Russell Westbrook is very difficult to trade if you wanted to trade him. And chances are, if you're trying to win like the Wizards are, he's more helpful to the Wizards than whatever they get back for him because he's going to cost draft picks to trade in almost any conceivable deal. It's also very difficult to get to the amount of salary that he makes. There's a reason that whenever you see a Supermax player traded, they're almost always traded for a Supermax player. The only scenario I can think of where a supermax guy was traded, and it wasn't for a supermax player, was the Chris Paul to Phoenix deal, which took just like a huge composition of of salaries. So it's possible, it's doable, but it's difficult. And that was a guy who the Suns were giving up a pick for, not the other way around. Uh, I think Chris Paul was coming off of a you know Chris Paul was coming off a second team All NBA season in that case, and was still looked at as highly around the league. And you saw this season and as last season why. um, so so Westbrook is is presumably here to stay at least for this upcoming season. He's going to do it with Bradley Beal because the Wizards don't want to trade Bradley Beal. Uh and so he's probably going to do it with Beal and and it's just it's a it's a good job in that you got a couple of all-stars there. Uh and it's it's like I said it continues to be a really interesting job to me. Like this is more interesting to me than the Pelicans job, for example, where the Pelicans have now had three coaches. They're going to have three coaches in three years in Zion's first three seasons, because just the, the million possible, the million variables, the multiple possible directions that this organization could take over the first two years of this coach's contract. It's going to be interesting. And nobody wants to go into a coaching contract, especially now with what happens with the Pelicans and Nate Bjorkren, with what happened with the, or the, uh, Pacers and Nate Bjorkren and the Pelicans and Stan Van Gundy. Nobody wants to go into a contract thinking, eh, it's okay. If it doesn't work out after year one, we'll just move on. Not only is that just a bad look for an organization, it costs you a lot of money. You're not getting a coach with a two-year deal. Presumably, it's taking so- three.
1: At least. But let me ask you this. Like, I mean, the, with the Pacers' job, I mean, my sense of that was Bjorkland was somebody that just he lost that locker room. I mean, I, you know, uh, our, our friend Jay Michael covers that team. And I remember him talking, reporting, you know, weeks, months ago about that. So it wasn't that surprising. And then Stan Van, like, always seems sort of an odd hire. By, by the Pelicans because, you know, he's got his own opinions. He's sort of the coaching version of Russell Westbrook. It kind of feels like, he, like he's going to do what he's going to do, sort of regardless of some of the circumstances and, you know, whatever. So if you're a coach, do you look at it and think, well, these organizations are problematic? Or do you look at it and say, I'm not that guy. If I know what I'm doing, if I feel comfortable, like why would I not want Zion Williamson? I would take Zion Williamson over – a lot of other things. Now, maybe if I do You know, maybe it's more about the organization that you are concerned about. And I guess my point on the Wizards would be: on the one hand, yeah, Ted Leons keeps his coaches, so that you are right about that. The, the Wizards are not going to have a one and done coach. I would It'd be hard to hard to imagine that, considering things that have gone on around here. Um, but yeah, there is a more uncertainty. It feels like to me over what happens on the roster after a year or two versus like, am I going to get booted as a coach?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of variables here.
1: Um, so wait, Fred. We've talked for about thirty-seven minutes. We haven't named one. We haven't been reckless and named one possible. Yeah, let's candidate be reckless. Let's
0: be reckless. I am gonna let's. Okay, I am. Um, let, let's let's play a name name the game name the candidates game. Uh, the caveat for the name the candidates game is these aren't the actual candidates. These are Ben and I are running the Wizards and 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 uh, or you know what we could do. Should I just make up a game on the spot? It's bad podcasting. But should I make up a game on the spot?
1: I only do bad podcasting, so sure.
0: Let's let's draft candidates and we each get a point if the wizards interview them.
1: Ooh. Oh, interview them. Okay, great.
0: Yeah. We each get a point if the wizards if there's any sort of reported connection by a legitimate reporter, we get a half point. If they interview, we get a point.
1: Cool. I I, I kind of almost want to just discuss legitimate reporter, but go ahead. I'm I'm with you. All right. Let's go. I'll give
0: you the first pick.
1: Wow. Um. There
0: was there was no preparation for this draft. This was an on the spot game to come up with. So we, we
1: call we, we, we call really this organic. the. This is right up my alley. No preparation. Um. All right.
0: Uh, you do not well, get the half point for for Wes Unsell Jr. By the way, because it was already reported by a legitimate reporter.
1: Wow. I am I didn't even think to do it for that reason, which I should lose a point for not having thought to do it because it was already out there. Um, you know, this is a name that, uh, you know, he he's a guy that's been constantly like, Hey, why isn't this guy getting a job? And uh, when, you, you know, he's just a name that sort of seems obvious here, especially since he's already been here. He helped Brad Bradley Beal and John Wall. When he was an assistant and, you know, I don't necessarily know if his current team blowing game five. I like did. helps the cause. But but I'm going to I'm going to say Sam Cassell. I just think that, you know, it would make a ton of like, again, I, I don't necessarily I, as I say all the time. If you're an assistant coach and you've never been a head coach and somebody says you you'll be make a great head coach, you know, B.S. How on earth do you know? Nobody knows. So until you've done it. But that said, Sam Cassell's paid his dues. He's been around the block. People, there do seem to be people that think he's he's good, even though he has not been hired yet. And you're already going to get probably, I would imagine, the Bradley Beal seal seal of approval. So I'll go Sam Cassell.
0: That's a good one. I I think you're going to at least get a half a point for that one. I think I think there's I think you might get a point for that one. You might be good. Um,
1: How many rounds are we going? By the way. Well, if we go more than three, I'm going to have to Google things, but go ahead.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, even though I'm not getting the automatic half point, I'm I'm still going to go Wes Unsell Jr. I'm feeling that good about an interview. Uh, he's got the local ties. He's got the literally grew up around the organization ties. He's got the name. And most importantly, uh, he gets really rave reviews as a coach. People say he's a really good coach. People in Denver love him, and you know we were talking about a potential defensive-minded coach. He's their defensive guy, uh, so I think that's a guy who it just it makes too much sense. It makes too much sense not for him not to come in with an interview. I I, I feel like wouldn't we both be surprised if he didn't interview? On top of that, you know the, the Wizards clearly appreciate what's gone on in Denver. You know, there was the Tim Connolly stuff a couple years ago. Tommy Shepard and Tim Connolly are really close friends. And Denver seems to think really highly of unselled. So, you know, he's getting good recommendations. You know, he's getting good references. Uh, I just, I think that's a, I think that's a good one. I think I'm really happy with that first pick, even though I don't get my half point. I shouldn't have made up that rule.
1: Yeah, because I would have forgotten about it, and you would have uh, given yourself points. So, but Casse- Cassell is um, a good
0: first overall pick, though. It's a very good first pick.
1: Well, I I, I appreciate that. All right, so I'm up. Um, I'm gonna go with this pick because I've said uh, I've said uh, some time back that this person would would make sense for the Wizards to consider um, for a variety of reasons, including being under the wing of one of the you know uh, best coaches of all time and uh you know I'm not going I'm not trying to be coy here let's just say it becky Hammond. i mean becky Hammond's getting interviews now i believe she's been interviewed already right by i don't know if it was portland or orlando but i both, believe somewhere both but okay um you look again no clue if she's a good coach or not but She's done it, and, you know, look, we we, we can just pretend to ignore it or not. There's a history-making element to it, and Ted Leontes has been a backer of the WNBA. I, I talked about this on my podcast earlier, and I think that, uh, you know, if we're just talking at a bare minimum, kicking the tires, taking a look, having a conversation, I, I think Becky Hammond's a thing. And by the way, like, for whatever it's worth, like, Becky Hammond and Mike Tebow, the, the Mystics coach slash GM have a have a strong relationship, and not this, to, not not to say that, that means anything. But like, if they're if Mike Tebow, if if they have, wizards have this, what what did they call their whole collaboration there? The uh, team of uh, teams. Not, team of teams, right? If there really is that's happening, I think Mike Tebow would endorse that. Uh, so I mean, I'll, I'll I'll go with Becky Hammond.
0: Okay, it's a solid pick. Can you hear that massively loud ambulance going on outside my window right now?
1: I, I took it as that I hate such a good pick that like the, 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 uh, the, the bells and whistles went off in the, uh, in the podcast. You actually I, made uh, me
0: pass out, and now the ambulance is coming for me because I thought it was so good. Uh, I'm going to go with my second-round pick. I'm taking Kenny Atkinson. I'm taking Kenny Atkinson. I, I think he did a really good job in Brooklyn. I think a lot of times when coaches leave jobs, there is a stink on them, even if it's a smaller one that they have to overcome in order to get a second one. There are a few situations where that's not true. And I think that's not true at all with Kenny Atkinson. I think he didn't leave with any stink on him when he left Brooklyn. Uh, you know, I think he's really well-respected throughout the league. And he's, he's, you know, he's in the system right now with the Clippers. Uh, I, I think he kind of fits both of those lanes. He's kind of, you know, I talked about finding a versatile coach who, who fits both sides of your future. That's kind of Kenny Atkinson, right? Like you you know he's he's a smart ex's nose guy who can put together a good offense and a good defense and maybe a good attack around Beale and Westbrook and find ways to make it work and players like him. And he's also shown to have an excellent acumen developing young players. And you know, you look at the work he did in Brooklyn and all the guys who came and were close to out of the league and became NBA players or who were okay and became good or who were pretty good. Like D'Angelo Russell say, and made an all-star team. You look at what happened there. You look at the culture they set up in Brooklyn. That was so strong that Kevin Durant and and Kyrie Irving said they went there for the culture. Now, if that culture weren't in New York city, I don't think they would have been going. Uh, But look, that was, that was a huge part of the development of that organization. Even if he's not there anymore, I think he's really well respected. Um, I, I think he could end up getting an interview there.
1: I think he's a good. Coach. I, I like Kenny. I like Kenny Atkinson. I mean, if it was like sort of my call, and this is based on not you know having done any background checks or interviews or really thought about this too much, he would be the first call I would want to 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 make. I was impressed with what he did with the Nets, um, and you know, for them to get Durant and Irving, part of that was because of the work they had done. It wasn't just him, obviously the front office, but you know, um I-, I thought he did well and um yeah, I think he'd be a pretty interesting uh hire for sure. Um who you got? All right. I've got I've got I've got several names on my list. Okay, great. So we can so go back Then we'll this go round.
0: then we'll go four rounds if you've got several.
1: Ooh boy now I don't even know who to pick. Um all right, well you know here's a guy I'm I'm gonna go with David Vanterpool. Uh, you know, another guy who's been an assistant for a long time, who feels like he's like constantly on the cusp. You know, why isn't? I, maybe he's a guy that people will say, "Hey, why isn't this guy happening?" And the yeah. teams are assistant saying, "Assistant well, Minnesota." By the way, yes, yes. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. Uh, he's also from this area. Um, I just feels like he's a guy. I mean, I'm again. I'm not saying I, I, I tell you he's all that, but I just feel like he's a guy that's. He feel like he's been on the verge. He's at least been on the verge of being on the verge for a minute and, you know, factoring the local ties and, and uh, you know, I, I think he's getting, I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting an interview somewhere during this time. So, why not here? Just
0: adding on to your point, uh, he overlapped with Westbrook and Oklahoma City, too. Has a lot of good relationships with people in Oklahoma City. So, yeah, I like it. He, um... A lot of, he's well-respected throughout the league. He always gets his head in, he stinks his head into a lot of these coaching, into a lot of these coaching searches he attempts to pop up. Um, you know, I'm not going to say Chauncey Billups because I, I think Billups ends up in, if I had to guess, I would guess he ends up in Portland. I, I think Neil Olshey likes him a lot. Um, and And I think he's got a chance in Boston too. You know what I'm going to go with? I'm gonna go with a really high risk, high reward pick. I'm like, oh boy, going for the fences here.
1: Oh boy, I'm afraid you're gonna pick who I wanted to pick. Heard-
0: Legit chance, there's no interview at all, and like, who knows? Maybe she's the first woman coach in the history of the NBA. Uh, fun pick. I'm going, Kara Lawson.
1: On, on, on my on my short list. I mean, she checks a hundred boxes. She's from here. She's been in the organization, uh, you know, with the broadcast team. But she was around the everybody all the time. Everybody uh, in that she,
0: organization who was around when she was around thinks she is, quite frankly, thinks she's awesome. I mean, people love her there. People mm. respect the hell out of her there. I mean, when she was a broadcaster there, people talked to her like they thought she was, you know, in the front office or something. You know.
1: And 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 I would just say to this point, this may sound like an incredibly minor thing, but I, I I'm just pointing out this thing that. The way in, in the olden times, before the pandemic, when we were, did things in person, um, when you went to the visiting side, the visiting coach talked 15 minutes after the, the home coach, you go to the visiting side and that's where, you know, it's it's obviously the, 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 the reporters that travel with the team are there. A handful of us on the local side, I mean, it's a 10 foot, 10 feet walk. It wasn't like far to go. We would go over there to hear whoever the coach was to get a sense of whatever, who's hurt, what's going on with them, whatever. I, I'm telling you. I almost never saw anybody from abroad from the broadcast team of any of them over there. Carol Lawson was there every single game, not not to ask questions necessarily, just to listen to whoever it was Brad Stevens, Greg Popovich, you know, I'm, whoever the whoever the coach was, listening, taking notes to what they had to say. And maybe that's not a big deal, but it shows. An interest, a willingness for preparation for the job she had to do, and if that's any sign of what she would do with a bigger job, that's interesting. So she's at Duke now, right? I, I yeah, I've, she's, she's moved du- around. She's a the box, women's so coach I-
0: at Duke. Uh, she went. She was an assistant for the Celtics after she was with the Wizards. She's the women's coach at Duke now. She is interviewing for the Celtics head coaching job. So if she got an interview with the Wizards, it would not be her first one for a Wizards head coaching job. Brad Stevens loved her. He was an assistant there for she was an assistant there for one year, and then she moved on to Duke because she got the Duke job. But Brad Stevens loved her. Uh, Marcus Smart loved her. Tatum thought she was awesome. I mean, she had great relationships with the players there. The players uh really respect the hell out of her. And I know from, you know, talking to Wall and Beal, that Wall and Beal really thought she was great. A lot of the Wizards players used to talk hoops with her and and almost in some ways would talk to her, you know, I don't want to say like a coach because that wasn't the case, but certainly didn't talk to her like a media member you know it was it was a different sort of thing i just think she has a lot of respect from people in that organization and obviously there's been turnover from the time she was there she was a you know she was a team broadcaster during the the Grumfeld era for the most part and there's been turnover but there's also a lot of similar people and 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 the wizards look ted Leonsis likes to hire local people he just does a lot of the hires in 2019 local people a lot of the ones since Local people. It's not necessarily always people who are from D.C., but it's people who have some sort of tie, however you want to spin it, to the D.M.V. Uh, not literally every time, but but a lot of the time. Uh, and and I think that's something that that could potentially factor in with people coming into interview and that kind of stuff. And and look, if you have a personal relationship with somebody in any job, like that's. That's a thing that plays a factor and people have a personal familiarity with her and they think very, everyone thinks really highly of her. So, so that's, that's my pick. You know, I have no indication it's going to happen officially, but if it did happen, I'd be like, okay, makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I agree. All right. So she was on my short list. Um, Dave Yeager is on my short list, but he's one of those coaches that while I've always thought he was a pretty good coach, I just don't know if I see him in Westbrook working out. Um, I'm going to swing for the fences here. I'm going to go with a big name. I don't necessarily know if I buy this, but if I tell you you want to coach to some degree cater to Westbrook and Beal, could we talk about Jason Kidd?
0: We can talk about Jason Kidd. Talk about
1: Jason Kidd. I mean, Jason Kidd and Russell Westbrook are the complete opposite players. Jason Kidd was all, not all, but like, you know, obviously they're all really good athletes, but like he was cerebral first, athlete second, and, and Westbrook is, you know, everything about Westbrook is a very athletic player. Um, you know, Kidd was as, smart, as a smart of a player as they were in the league. Um, and I'm not saying Westbrook's not smart, but I'm just saying they, he 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 plays with like a different sort of uh, process leading him. And I don't necessarily know if that aspect works. But obviously, Jason Kidd's going to command respect based on his career. His coaching career has not been as great. I, I don't really. I, I, this is just almost for fun. I don't necessarily know if I see it. If I was just going to go for the for the get a, get an interview, like it would be easier to go with a Darvin Ham or somebody like that. But I I don't know. I mean. You know, swing for the fences. I mean, wh- why not? So give me Jason Kidd.
0: I don't like that pick. I don't like it. I I I don't see the Wizards. Um, the Wizards oh, I pin themselves as a very socially progressive organization. Monumental in general pins itself as a very socially pro- uh, progressive organization. I I don't see them. Uh, interviewing somebody in the middle of me too that has a bad history like that. I just, I, that, that's something that would surprise me when there are lots of other good coaching candidates with the, with the, you know, the political and progressive stances that Monumental tends to take on issues of that sort. I, I don't see it. I don't like that pick. I like your, I like your Vanderpool pick. I like your Hammond pick. I like your Cassell pick.
1: See, I, I went, the first three picks I use the same mindset. So in case I was wrong, I went for the complete opposite.
0: <laughs> okay, that's fair. You're covering your bases. Uh I would love to draft Mike Budenholzer. But I'm not going to because I I feel like he like he is not he he is also, I mean, I agree with you on Jaeger. I, I, Budenholzer is not a Westbrook coach. I don't see those personalities meshing. Budenholzer is very stubborn in what he wants to do, the system he wants to play, and and you know Westbrook has a particular way that he likes to play, and I just don't see those two guys meshing. Uh, so I'm not gonna say Budenholzer. Instead, I'm actually going to say the guy who it sounds like was your first one out, who you passed over. I'm gonna say Darwin Ham. Uh, who has had interviews for jobs is another guy who's a widely respected assistant. And uh, the reason why I say him over some other, you know, big time assistants, you know, there are so many assistants out there who are well-respected and who might end up being better coaches than anybody that we picked. Right. I mean, like there are just, there are so many assistants whose names are on list, but the reason I like Darvin ham is because Darvin ham has head coaching experience in the G League. And the Wizards talk all the time about how much they value uh, G League experience, how much they value a head coaching experience. You know, they rotate a new coach of their G League team every year because they want to get head coaching. uh, They want to get head coaching experience on their assistant coaching staff. So they have Jarrell Christian coached the G League one year. Then they have Ryan Richmond, coach the G League the next year, and then they have Mike Williams, kind of do a platoon situation in this weird season where they didn't have their own G League team, and 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 I bet you they'll have another one next year as well, because uh, they want to have those assistant coaches who have that experience, and and what is the ultimate w- way to do that, right? You you get the guy who's got G League experience as your head coach as well. Uh, it's clearly, you have some sort, you value that to some degree, and and I think. I don't know. I think that's that's a pretty solid tiebreaker. I mean, there are a lot of other assistants out there. There's Ime Udoka, who you could go with. Uh, Brent Berry interviewed in Portland. Uh, he's not so, an assistant. He's in our front office. Um,
1: just to cover our basis, neither one of us said anybody on the current staff. I mean, I wouldn't personally think that i mean robert pack would sort of be the guy that people would probably say well you know he's a name we've heard of and you know why not him but i look anything's possible if we're just talking strictly an interview like it wouldn't stun me if they did interview somebody currently here but in terms of like actually getting the job i just i'm i'm i would i would think no yeah
0: it wouldn't stun me if they interviewed one of the assistants yeah pack i would guess would be the guy too just a guess but but yeah, I'm with you. I'm thinking they they would reach, they would reach outside. It's not a situation where you know the assistants are under contract for another year, and you gotta, you know, you don't want to pay out all these guys. Uh, you know, that was the Whitman situation, right? You don't want to pay out guys, and, and you bring them back, and uh you know that's not the situation here you got a coach with an expiring contract you got a clean slate on the coaching staff you can bring in new assistants uh you know you bring in a new head coach and you can bring in uh you know he can bring in all of his own assistants and and so you know we'll we'll see we'll see what ends up happening but there there are a lot of good guys out there i mean we we didn't really swing for the fences neither of us drafted like tony bennett Mo cheeks is the Russell Westbrook whisperer. Is he going to get a, another coaching job? There're a lot. Terry Stotts is out there. Mike D'Antoni, neither of us said Mike D'Antoni, and that is the ultimate, you know, coaching, you know, you got two elite guards. Go get Mike D'Antoni.
1: Uh, sure. I mean, like I said before, I just, I mean, if you don't have any other options and any, then then one option, you know, looks pretty good. But I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I'm it, with I, you. My, I don't my, see it.
0: D'Antoni is the exact guy. Like if I had to pick one guy who is like, yeah, if you hold on to Westbrook and Beal and you want to win with Westbrook and Beal, D'Antoni might be the number one guy to maximize your win total next year. But if you go if you go into a rebuild or you trade Beal midway through the season, it's like you know D'Antoni might just be like, "Screw it, I'm not doing this anymore." You might find new coach in the middle of the year, you know. Right. <laughs> and so you know right. that's 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 the that's really like the ultimate guy because of his coaching history, because of his age. He doesn't want to deal with a rebuild. at His age, like. On top of that, because of his opportunity, like Mike D'Antoni, if he tried hard enough and really wanted one, Mike D'Antoni, I don't know if he'll get the Portland job. I guess he could. I don't know if he will for sure. But uh, Mike D'Antoni, you know, if he gets, if he really wants a head coaching job, he'll get one within the next year or two. He's Mike D'Antoni.
1: We we also didn't mention Terry Stotts. I've lost track of where he's at with the interview cycle, but obviously he just had success, relatively speaking, with a, a, a Team led by two guards and um you know maybe his resume is you could depend how you want to look at it, but you know, he's obviously been a guy that's you know um, had success in the league.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, so final rosters. Our final four man rosters. You drafted Sam Cassell, Becky Hammond. Four
1: four person rosters.
0: Right, four person rosters. I gotta break that habit. You drafted Sam Cassell, Becky Hammond, David Vanderpool, Jason Kidd. I drafted Wes Unseld Jr., Kenny Atkinson, Kara Lawson, Darvin Ham. Uh, a half a point for being connected by a reporter in some fashion. A point for an interview. We didn't say what happens if you actually get the job. If you have the guy who, the guy or girl who gets the job.
1: Um, Get three. Well, I think you win. I, you, you, you automatically should be winning the game. I think if you get if you, you get, you get a million
0: points if you pick if you pick the person who gets the job, you get a million points. That's it. It's a half a point, one a, point, and a million points. That's the. You scope. get a
1: subscription. You get a subscription to the Athletic. <laughs> I already have
0: one of those. If you want a subscription to the Athletic, you can go to theathletic slash wizardsafterdark. You can sign up for three ninety nine a month. You get all my coverage. You get all Ben's coverage. You get everything else. Uh, it is worth it. We have great beat writers. We have great national writers. There is so much NBA news today. Holy crap. It's insane. This Brooks news is like arguably not even in the top five between Stan Van Gundy being out in New Orleans and the Kawhi ACL injury and Chris Paul being in the health and safety protocols and that outrageous collapse from the Sixers. Uh, it's, it's you know, Donnie Nelson being out in Dallas. What a day for the NBA. I mean, it's absolutely wild what in the world happened to league today. Somebody just dropped by and dropped the bomb on the whole damn thing. Uh, and you can go read about all of it. If you want to go to on the athletic and you can sign up at the athletic.com slash wizards after dark. If you are a listener to the podcast, help us out, spread the word, tell your friends about wizards after dark, go on iTunes, give us a five-star review, give us a written review. Those always help a lot. I will be back with a new episode of Wizards After Dark sometime later this week. Uh, You know, I'll see. eh, Maybe next week. Actually, it'll probably be sometime next week. I'll do another check in, and
1: it'll be next week.
0: it'll, (laughs) It'll be next week. I'll do an episode. I forgot it was Thursday. I'll do. I'll do another episode. Next week, I'll be back next week and we'll be talking more. Maybe we'll have some more coaching news to discuss, some more roster building news to discuss. And like I said, going to be reeling off a bunch of draft preview podcasts coming up as well. You know, Bradley Beal made all NBA this week. We literally didn't even get to talk about it. I was originally going to have Dave Dufour on the podcast today. We were going to talk Bradley Beal on the NBA and his placement in the league. But I think uh, I think we're going to have to save that for another day. Because we have gone an hour and we are wrapping up now. Ben's gone silent. He's exhausted.
1: I'm ag- oh, I mean, I mean, look, you, you want to talk about Beal and the Olympics? I, I got thoughts. Uh, I, I will just say this: uh, you, you are always very generous about letting me plug stuff, and normally I have nothing to say. Mm, uh, but it, yes. earlier today, I, uh, since my day job as I cover the Washington football team, uh, earlier today I interviewed Ron Rivera. Uh, one-on-one, wrote about it. It's also in the podcast. It'll be up in the morning, so you can check that out.
0: All right, check it out. Ben does amazing work. Uh, I'll be back with a new episode next week. I'll talk to you guys then.